Welcome to Foreign Devs. This is Yanni. And this is Victor. And here we are with episode 12. Yep. One, two. So I got to say before we start, there's a storm passing through here in South Florida. So it's raining outside and we might hear some thunder. Uh, yeah. Nothing I can do about that today. And I'm not going to delay this. It's been, I'm going to tell you, it's been a busy start to the year. No you know, kidding. <laughs> for the two of us to come together right now and record, you know, it's been busy for both of us. But I, I've got a little anxiety just looking at my list of podcasts that I haven't even been able to listen to. It's just yes. growing and growing and this is so, true. so far behind. Actually, I've uh, discovered some good new ones um, that I've been listening to. Different, you know, outside of just your typical tech, you know, podcast or Laravel podcast, you know, just something totally different. Um, some really good stuff that I've found. So I've been actually listening to quite a few podcasts, but yeah, staying busy and getting together has, has been difficult, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one thing I'm, uh, happy about is, is, uh, working on the fifth book now for January. So able to absorb some knowledge and just, you know, trying to control the sources it's coming through, but, but, uh, and then just trying to work on some side projects. But speaking of projects, what are you what are you working on? Well, since the last time that we spoke, I'm still working on the internal app for my company. And uh, that's going great. Actually, the project has kind of grown into bigger and bigger pieces. And we've added a whole entire um, academy section to it where the employees are going to be able to do their their training right from there and take quizzes and all of that. And actually... The component that I've been working on this week is uh, an automatic scheduling that basically they gave me a bunch of rules on how, you know, how the employees need to be scheduled, how many stations there are, you know, how long the sessions are. And then I need to be able to automatically schedule everybody um, every week. And it has been quite a challenge. I haven't, I haven't felt really so challenged in a while where I've, I've sometimes I just sit there in front of the computer, just thinking, how in the heck do we write the code? You know, <laughs> how, what's the procedure, how to make it happen. I've got some, some topics I want to talk about regarding that, but yeah, it's been a challenge for sure. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I've, um, I've been working on a little, uh, stock trading automation and something I never thought I'd do, but just had a few ideas and wanted to test it out and um, having a lot of fun with it, you know, just uh, back testing against uh, old data, historic data, or even, you know, data from yesterday, just to try to kind of see, you know, if, uh, if there's any strategies that could, could be applied. And um, it's a really fun project. Um, I'm only able to, you know, devote half an hour here, half an hour there, but um, a lot of fun. And, uh, Sometimes it's good to work on something a little bit different and uh, introduce yourself to new challenges. Absolutely. Man, that sounds super interesting. So what is sort of the, what would be sort of the ultimate goal if this was to go somewhere? Just something for personal use or what are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, personal use and sort of... uh, implement some safe and i know that's a silly term to use but safe strategies when i'm not able to to uh stare at the screen all day and and uh make calculated you know guesses um 
so we'll see. We'll see. Um, definitely not gonna not gonna uh, make you know anyone rich, but <laughs> at least it's fun. Yeah. No, man. That's that's super interesting. I didn't even know you were into stocks. So <laughs> very, very little, but just just one of those things that you know keeps the gear sharp. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I've never really, I mean, you know, in high school, I did some some projects, you know, where you do like the the mock, you know, you get a thousand dollars and you have to spend them and all that stuff. And I remember I pretty much lost all of it um, on Apple <laughs> stock. Of course, I bought Apple and uh, Apple crashed for some odd reason and uh, I lost all my money. But um, outside of that, I've never really um, gotten into it. I've got a family friend that he doesn't do the stock market. He does uh, currencies. Okay, he trades okay. in Forex and yep. uh, he's tried to kind of explain to me how it works and all that. And I don't know, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me because the way that works is like you, you bit one, but it's like 10,000 worth and you, it's, it's super complicated, obviously. But yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about that um, just a few weeks ago. I was pretty, or, you know, I had a good working knowledge of the currencies going back like 15 years ago. Um, I had, or my family had moved to Finland. I was living there for a bit and, um, I still had some client work in the U S and just by making, you know, some calculated, or if you want to call them lucky moves, um, you know, I had a good, good multiplication effect going back and forth a few times on my money, just playing the, playing the market. And I started thinking about it that, it's been so long that I wouldn't even know where to start nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure there's tons of information out there, you know, about that sort of thing, but it's always difficult, you know, and we get lucky sometimes and we, we strike gold on a resource of knowledge on a particular subject. And then you try to learn something new and you wish you had just like, what is the, you know, the it place to go and learn this one yeah. topic, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's, and I always struggle to, to find that, you know, like I've, I would love like an it place to go and maybe learn like advanced JavaScript stuff. You know, there's like, there's so many resources and everybody's got a little bit different opinion on how it should be done. And so it's difficult to sort of have a following trend, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm explaining myself right with this, but it's always cool to find the, the right resource for the topic that you're trying to learn a little bit more about. Yeah, yeah, and you know that leads me into what we've ta been talking about for years, um, and kind of joked about is building a uh, uh, layer of cast of SEM, uh, search engine marketing and search engine right. optimization, just to give real usable information, um, so that companies, small businesses out there aren't and developers aren't overwhelmed thinking, hey, we got to hire some uh, SEO company who's charging arm and leg for lackluster results um, or intangible results, really. Right. But, um, right. but with that, you know, all those skills, you know, it's, it's so great to learn anything, but it feels so often that if you just don't stay up on it, you know, they're gone. Um, and I think that applies to a lot. So, so it's always good to take a look at, um, you know, what skills you want to revisit and just, uh, keep fresh in your mind. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, just like a muscle, you know I mean? If you're, exactly. if you're a runner and you run, 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 and you stop running for six months, you're not going to go back to where you were six months ago. You know, you've lost all that muscle memory, I guess, but 
same thing. I mean, for programming, I mean, the more code you write on a day-to-day basis, the better you become at it, you know? Yep. And actually, it's one of the topics I have um, that I want to t- touch base on is, so I've been doing this big project and I've really kind of stumbled on blocks sometimes where I just don't know how I'm going to fix the particular problem at hand. And there's always a dirty solution. And I think that that is always sort of like in the back of your head, like you could really hack at it and make a really nasty solution of it. Yep. And then, you know, and so I've had to take that route because I literally could not come up with a more elegant solution to the, the particular problem. And then, you know, really just feel the burn of this dirty code to drive me to the refactor. And then I've come up with some pretty fantastic refactors, I feel like, for all of these problems. But do you ever, as a programmer, do you ever get to the point where you write that clean code sort of from the beginning? You know, like, could you learn enough patterns and have done this enough times and solved enough problems that you already have a solution. Is that possible? So I think uh, TDD makes a big leap into getting there. Um, the I think the big part of that is you're asking, what am I trying to solve rather than just starting to write code? And, uh, you know, even with this trading platform, what I was... Um, I find myself writing, you know, very basic, very dirty examples, feeling extremely guilty about it. And then as soon as it's working, going back in and refactoring. And sometimes I don't have the right solution immediately, but I feel over time, you know, things evolve and I'm able to polish them. But um, there was a great section about it in base code uh, where JMac broke it down to, you know, hey, if you've got this ugly block, Let's look at it. Let's break it down, you know, bit by bit. What are the responsibilities in here? And he's got some good examples. And when I saw that, it made me feel a little bit better about the way I do things. You know, there's that, that uh, always that sense of, you know, hey, is this just something, you know, silly I'm doing? Or is this something that every developer out there is doing but doesn't talk about much? So um, made me feel a little bit more confident in that. But uh, I think it's ultimately about finding what works for you. And we had a we had a great day uh, just a few days ago where we uh, I was dr- writing some uh, driver based uh, approaches to uh, image processing, so image manipulations uh, done through some serverless solutions, and just being able to support and switch between different setups. Uh, you helped out with that, and I, I felt like you know spent a little bit on that, and we we got it you know, from, okay, this is clean to super clean and elegant. Right, right. Yeah, and that, and that same day, I was trying to solve my big issue with the, with the quizzes and the responses, remember? I do. And um, so just to kind of recap on, on what the issue was at that point was, so I had these quizzes, right? So I had a quizzes uh, table and then I had a table for questions, and then I had a table for answers. And so when someone, I was trying to find the best solution for that when someone actually took the quiz, how would I record the responses for that particular quiz? Um, 
And so we talked about a bunch of solutions. As a matter of fact, we even talked about, well, what if I just kind of grade it on the fly and then just record only the differences, meaning what did the user actually miss, right? Because we know what the yep. correct answers are. Um, ultimately, I did go down that path for hours and I ended up saying, nope, this is not going to work for what I'm trying to do. Um, I ran into a bit of some of the Laravel quirky stuff that comes up from time to time. Um, and I'm sure we've all kind of hit those at some point. You know, it's sometimes there's just some things that just don't quite make sense. Um, and um, ultimately, I went backwards. And what I ended up doing was recording any answer that the user had clicked on. So whether it was right or wrong, I didn't really care at that point. And what I'm doing is I'm I'm doing the grading. Because it's a kind of a learning tool, I needed to display what the incorrect thing was that they clicked on and what the correct responses would have been. So what I end up doing is actually just doing it on the fly on the on the view. So the view is checking if, you know, I've got a collection of the user answers and I've got a collection of the correct answers for that particular question. So I'm comparing those on the fly and then I'm able to do things like change the background color, you know, for that particular answer. If they clicked it and so it's red, if it's wrong, it's green, if it's correct, check mark, blah, blah, blah. And it all it all works really, really well. Um, now, this solution that I came up with for that wouldn't be what I would say, well, that's a high traffic solution, right? If I was trying to serve a million users this one page, that's obviously not the correct approach because it's really not super fast, right? It's not super efficient, yeah. really. You would want to kind of make all that work happen in the background. But for this particular application, it's perfectly fine and it works great. And it was the simplest solution. And ultimately, after hours of circling around the drain, I did come up with with a good solution for that. I did run into some Laravel quirks, which, you know, again, it's one of those that sometimes it happens. You know, it really grinds my gears and has been grinding my gears for a little bit. You know, when you're, writing, when you're writing those um, feature tests and you have to write without exception handling in your test to actually yep. get the correct exception to pop up. Yep, yep. Uh, that's been rubbing my gears really bad lately. I don't know why. Just, you know, I came to the point where I'm like, this is so pointless. Like I write without exception handling and then I have to remove it, you know. I don't know. I don't know what the, the right approach should be. Obviously, you could, I guess you could just turn it off in every single test. And be done with it, like in the setup method. What are you? Are you doing anything for that? No, just uh, dealing with it as I go. Um, but it does make me think about. Uh, I was looking for some testing examples on some external APIs and just seeing different approaches. You know, I've come across some different uh, thoughts over time. And it's usually those things come up when I'm not working on something where I could apply the knowledge or test it out on. Um, but now I wanted to revisit some of those. And I saw some older stuff from uh, Adam Wathen. 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 So, and then uh, some newer content as well. And just, it's one of those things, everyone has their different way and uh, there's no right answer, but just got to find what works for this particular scenario yeah yeah i've got um, a bunch of um i've been doing a bunch of stuff with eloquent and carbon so like really dealing with with dates for this um the scheduler component 
And two thoughts come to mind um, on this whole thing. The first thing is sometimes I feel like eloquent is difficult to kind of wrap your head around instead of, instead of just like dropping down to raw queries and just writing raw queries, right? Like really sticking with eloquent and getting it to do what you need it to do. Uh-huh. But then on the other side of that, how crazy difficult it is what it actually does behind the scenes. Like eloquent, the implementation of the whole thing is just so mind-blowing, you know, that you can do all these things in a way more fluent way. And then it just generates these queries for you automatically in the background. Like I was doing some double nested um, where has statements. So, you know, you could do like where has, and then you can pass in a closure. Yep. Inside that closure, you get a query inside yep. the, the callback. Inside of that, I was doing another where has statement inside of been that. So there, it was like, been there. yeah, so I had to do, I had to find the users that, no, I'm sorry. I had to find the sessions that had users that did not have um, basically a completion in that week, right? Because one okay. of the rules that I had to write was that a an employee cannot train more than once a week because that's, you know, too much time for them to be out away from work to do that. Okay. So I had to basically find all of my users that did not have or, or that had a training session, but it was in this week. It's like just nested warehouse and then another warehouse inside. It's just whew, tricky stuff. I mean, hours of hours of just trial and error stuff, just trying to wrap my head around how the relationship functions, you know, what I could do better with my database um, uh, design, you know, to kind yep, of facilitate yep. some of these. And in one solution, I ended up ultimately duplicating one of the ID columns in a more, in a table that was a little bit closer to what I was trying to do. And I kind of did that on purpose. I mean, I understand that I was duplicating data, right? So sometimes it's just easier if you have one of those distant relationships, it's just easier to add like a user ID column on a closer table to the relationship that you're trying to do. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. So I actually, on one of the solutions, ended up doing that and it way simplified the code because, again, I wasn't trying to reach three tables away trying to get the user ID to come back to compare to to this relationship. So one of those, but eloquent, woo, amazing, really, seriously. No, it is. It definitely is. And some of those uh, where has you know, nested warehouse statements. I think in the past I've put them inside scopes just to make them a little easier. Um, you know, make that a scope, you know, user who's unable to take a test this week because he's already taken one. So That's a good idea. I'm going to refactor that for sure. That's a great idea. Yeah, because right now I've got one of my, that one that's basically iterating through or trying to get all the users. So the way I have it set up is I, you know, I've got blackout times that are recurring and then I have blackout days. So days that we don't train at all, okay. right? One of them obviously being Saturday, Sunday. Obviously those are blackout days. But then I've got like, they take a break from nine to nine ten, So I cannot train or a session cannot overlap nine to nine ten, And that's recurring every single day that happens. So it's like just a layer approach of, so what I've did is I'm dividing the whole entire day and I'm just blocking off when they're not at work or when they are on break. So instead of taking the approach, like the the pessimistic approach, where I'm only going to add the available times, I'm yep, basically yep. opening up the entire 24 hours, and then I'm 
chunking out the pieces that are not available. So then with that, with those slots, then I need to basically assign users to those slots based on a bunch of logic. But yeah, my query that actually gives me the available users that can train on that day based on the weeks and all and what they've done and all that stuff is it's like probably like 15 lines long worth of, you know, like where it has and inside. And so actually that's a great idea. I'm definitely going to use some some scopes for that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they, they work to really clean up code and make things easy to understand. Yeah. Laricon, we okay. are finally, you we and are. I, going yeah. to our first developer conference together. Yep. And it's not just Ever. any conference. It's, it's Laricon the, Atlanta. Yeah, the Laricon. So, so I'm hoping uh, we can meet some of the uh, listeners in person there. I realize uh, not everyone will be able to make it, but Atlanta's a fun town. Um, I'm looking very much forward to it. Um, you know, just, uh, should be pretty, pretty productive. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it finally landed on dates that I can actually make. So like last year I had said, we absolutely have to do it. I'm going to go for sure. And it ended up landing on my wife's 30th birthday. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I can't make that, um, and but, then, uh, then yeah. the the other year, 2018, you know, we were we had plans to go to Atlanta for uh, the AWS summit. That's and, right. And uh, you happened? bailed on account of a hurricane coming or something. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, there was a hurricane I, coming. I was I was actually up up spending time with you for your uh, dealer meeting, right. and we had to right. evacuate. So we had so to I rush drove out. To, drove to Atlanta <laughs> a few days early and. And yeah. uh, yeah, that was the they, AWS, yeah, yeah, that was the AWS summit, and they had a completely closed off I twenty six, so you couldn't get off. They were afraid of people getting off and making U turns to head back into Charleston. And um, I had taken off like six in the morning, and I didn't grab a coffee. I'm like, oh, I'll just pull over, you know, somewhere. It was hours, and I took like some backcountry route, you know, that my my uh, Google Maps or Apple Maps was guiding me through. And I ended up in Augusta, Georgia, before I came to the first place I could get Jeez. a coffee. And that was Krispy Kreme over there. And I haven't had a, a Krispy long... Kreme donut in a while. So it was, it was a good good match. That's a long time without without coffee. Yeah, it was. It was. Actually, talking about AWS, you know, I am like the, the least fan of AWS and I still use it. But the um, one of the podcasts that I've been listening to is the rise of Amazon in general. Um, it's a really interesting podcast where basically they cover, you know, well, the first, I'm only like maybe like five or six episodes in, and they're mostly talking about Amazon Prime, you know, how okay. Amazon Prime kind of sucks you into the, you know, the perks of Amazon Prime. And, you know, you, you almost like don't even shop around for price anymore because yep, yep. it's just Amazon Prime. You're going to get free one day shipping now or, you know. Or if not, it's going to be fast shipping no matter what. And just kind of like, yeah, oh, you need that? Oh, yeah, just order from Amazon. You know, just pop in Amazon, boom, 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 do it. Do it. And they were talking about what's interesting is obviously as they've, they've, they, they've had to do a lot of changes to their warehouses in the past, you know, 20 years or whatever since they've been doing Amazon Prime in that everything obviously needs to be really, really fast. So they have these reshipment centers or re repackaging centers. Have you ever heard about these? No. So figure that, so 
there are rules, right? They have a bunch of rules on things that you are going to send. Say you're going to sell an item and it's going to be a prime item, right? You're going to send it to the Amazon warehouse. So there are rules on the way that it needs to be packaged for you to send it to them. Okay, One of them okay, is no yep. peanuts. Yeah, no peanuts. You can't have peanuts because those are just a mess, right? Those are the little foam uh, ball things that you put inside a box so, so yep, for yep. An, item, an item that's fragile. You can't use those. So when a lot of the businesses, they when they get their stuff either from overseas or from uh, other vendors, it's packaged wrong. So there are these people and they're, they're, they're people. They're not Amazon related or anything like that. That specialize in repackaging for Amazon. So you ship to ship it to their house or to their place of business. They reach, you know, repackage it how Amazon wants it. And then they send it to the Amazon fulfillment center. And it's like a full blown business that they, that they have for something like that. And like a person can make like a hundred, two hundred dollars a day doing that, basically just yeah. repackaging other people's packages. You know, it could be anything from a TV or it could be a thousand of these tiny little things. You know what I mean? It could be just anything. But it's just, I thought it was such an interesting sort of side business that came out of Amazon's, you know, clean, Policies, yeah. you know, yeah. Wow. So it was, yeah. podcast pretty cool. Pretty, pretty interesting. It's called The Rise of Amazon. I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's crazy. I mean, with this this whole um, academy that I'm working on, it's most mostly based around that sort of stuff. You know, five S, lean manufacturing, just in time, and so it kind of like piqued my interest to hear how Amazon really works, almost like a factory. You know, the 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 stuff that they're doing is you know what you would do in a factory to boost production and quality and all that stuff. You know. Yeah. Except with robots, I'm sure. <laughs> and powered by AWS. <laughs> well, spe speaking of ro robots in the factory, so years ago, uh, it was about 15 years ago in Finland, my dad had a transportation company and he had a contract with um, a company that uh, bottled and distributed Coca-Cola and Budweiser, et cetera, over there. And they had built this new factory and it looked like just a gigantic uh, cement square. And inside of it, everything was automated and everything was connected. And this is in uh, Finland, just outside of the capital of Helsinki, but everything was connected over uh, to uh, Copenhagen in Denmark to their headquarters. And Seriously? I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything, uh, everything actually one day went down when there were some riots in Copenhagen and uh, the square factory stopped. And, uh, you know, it was state of the art, it was brand new, everything worked when it, or everything worked great when it worked. But in this case, there was no backup plan. There was no, Hey, let's grab some forklifts and the guys and let's, you know, pull out, uh, pallets or, you know, stacks or anything. There was none of that. You weren't getting a forklift, you know, in there. It was so automated, but, um, wow. I guess they figured, you know, it's such a small likelihood that something like that would ever happen. But, um, right. Yeah, pretty cool at the time. Uh, and I'll touch yeah, base on that a little bit where there's an over-reliance of technology here in a, in a bit or maybe the next episode if we don't get to it, but it's something I had in my notes. But uh, AWS-wise, so on um, it's oh, the Fort Knox uh, podcast, um, something new I've been listening to but very interesting. Uh, they spoke uh, about AWS and how they're 
bringing, and what's ironic here is that with AWS, they killed off a lot of the uh, co-located servers and the data centers, et cetera. And um, it really, in a sense, killed off the physical servers. But now they're bringing these servers into big markets. So they're building facilities, data centers, so that you have the cloud computing, basically AWS services closer with less latency. So say you're developing an app that requires super low latency, you know, you're crunching data in the cloud. Um, you know, we can only do so much uh, trying to move data physically, you know, from one region to another. But where that can be improved is by having those data centers and especially with 5G connections coming, uh, having everything close by and just, you know, kind of like a mesh network. And it's right, amazing like that, that how th how things went from, you know, A to B to now C. Um, it's kind of like the car thing. You know, we went from manual transmissions to automatic transmissions, from automatic to SMG, which was a robotic manual gearbox. So you had robot basically doing the shifting. And right. that faded out. Then we came out with dual clutch transmissions, yep. which were lightning quick, amazing, but they could only support so much torque. And that really pushed the evolution of the standard slush box automatics with a torque converter to become lightning quick or, you know, quick enough. And now yeah, we have right. this in the last few years, we've seen, you know, everything goes to a six speed, you know, that was uh, the 2000s. And now we're seeing eight speed, 10 speed, nine speeds, you know, uh, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Well, I still drive a real six speed. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. And I don't blame you one bit. Um, Every day, man, I, I still have to press my clutch to be able to turn my car over. It's, yep. both, it's fun. Both, I, I, I love it. I love it. Both of my vehicles, if they offered either one of them or if they offer both of them in manual here, I would have without a question. Yeah. Just one last comment. And then we could call it a night. But uh, one one thing about the AWS thing and Prime shipping and all that stuff is, I was recently um, I wanted to buy some products from a from a company, and it was ten dollars worth of products, and the shipping was seven dollars and fifty cents. So seventy five percent of what I was going to pay for the product was going to go to shipping, right? So the, the total yep. would have been like seventeen fifty. I'm like, oh man, this is this is awful. How could you shot how could you charge me more for shipping, you know, than for the product? That's crazy. I'm not gonna do that. So ultimately I went to Amazon and that same exact company sells on Amazon Prime and all they do is charge you taxes. Wow. What a ripoff. I ended up getting wow everything for like $12, you know, because it was $10 plus, you know, taxes, because now they charge taxes for every state, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, I ended up paying $12 shipped from the same exact company. So again, I was on their website, I was going to place the order. And then all I did was check Amazon. Of course, it was prime, it was available. And you know, you can see who's, who's the actual vendor. And it was them. It was the exact same company. And when I got the package, it was from them. So wow. Man, it was like, wow, they're ripping people off, you know, just 
I mean, I know we pay for, you know, prime membership, whatever it is nowadays, $150 a year. Um, so you're kind of paying some of that cost, right? But almost a, like as a group, everybody pays shipping kind of thing together. But yeah, it was just one of those those things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way with this particular company. I still like them, but you know, that wasn't nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... I, I sometimes don't get it, but I'll admit I don't. I, I don't want to say I don't get myself some days, but um, recent example, I ran out of uh, the stainless steel cleaner that sample that came with the new fridge we bought, and uh, thought it worked great. You know, nice chemical, and I went on their website to the refrigerator company's website to see if uh, they mentioned that any of the local stores would have it. And uh, they have a specific page dedicated to this, and they talk about how uh, one company called Signature Polish makes the chemical, and they have a link for their site. I go to the website. It's like a flashback to 1995. There's no oh. e-commerce system, no online ordering. Everything's just, you know, hey, call in this number in Dayton, Ohio, and, and um, you know, here's the price, and we'll ship it out to you. And search Amazon. It's not there. And uh, just look around online. I'm like, you know what? Am I? It's not that big of an inconvenience. You know, I'll, I'll call it in and order it. And, you know, nice small family business. But ultimately, what sold me on that and what caused me to take the extra step to call in and place the order was that if this manufacturer, if this refrigerator manufacturer believes in this small company, you know what? I think that says a lot. You know, they could have had some partnership with, you know, a subscription-based, you know, cleaner and, you know, uh, replacement filters, et cetera. But they don't do any of that. They believe in this chemical and they've been using it for, I'm guessing, many decades. So so uh, props to some of the, you know, analog out there. Uh, it's not, not a bad thing all the time. Yeah, no. And, you know, the fact that they are they are surviving, you know, Despite changing oh, oh, times and, and I, all that, you know, I wanted to ask, and I don't know, it could have been, you know, the owner of the company I was speaking to, but I was so eager More than to likely, ask. That's, yeah, that's not too far fetched. I know? wanted to ask, you know, what do you guys do a year? You know, how long have you been? All these questions came to my mind because they didn't have an e commerce system. And uh, I was just blown away and shocked. And, you know, maybe I will call them up and. Maybe we could do a follow up. Yeah, do a follow up episode on that. That would be that would be super interesting. I'm sure there's a backstory there, and the fact that you know they're still being backed by a a huge company that is not making any money recommending them or recommending somebody else. You know, but they are. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, let's wrap this one up, and uh, I look forward to episode 13. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.